in the second week of a conversation that we're having on the Holy Spirit. We're calling it, I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. And I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Uh, this is one of the reasons that I love to talk in, in series and not just in sermons, because you can jump in at any point of the conversation and kind of pick right up with us. I do want to tell you a little bit, though, that if you missed last Sunday, jump back online because you can hear week number one. I'll recap some of that today. I won't have time to re-preach the whole message. Um, I can be guilty of trying to repeat that in the beginning. So I want you to go back and listen. One of the things we did talk about, though, is the diversity of our church at both campuses, because this is important to the conversation about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the diversity by way of ethnicity. We talked about the generational diversity. And then we also talked about the diversity in faith upbringings, meaning many of us, we come from a different background of faith or what some might call religion, which by the way, are you glad to be a part of a church that is diverse, diverse with ethnicity and diverse in age and diverse in faith. And so now we've all come together and there's much beauty and diversity, but you also know this diversity can also get a little messy at times. You know, when we're learning about new culture or when we face the, the age gap and some of the, the challenges with that, or even when we look at our upbringing in faith and we recognize that you've been taught certain things, I've been taught certain things, you've read the Bible a certain way, I've read the Bible a certain way. And so how, how do we know what to do to kind of wade through the, the messiness of all of that at times? And uh, I shared this verse with you last Sunday. It's kind of the foundational theme verse of the whole series because these misconceptions, these misunderstandings uh, aren't new to just our generation alone. Even in the early days of the first church, there was some confusion specifically about this topic, the person of the Holy Spirit. So Apollos is at Corinth. Remember, Apollos is just an evangelist. He's preaching from city to city. It says that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road the, the Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. I mean, this is just kind of a fleeting thought, but when I read that again this morning, I thought, I wonder why they emphasized that he took the interior road. Somebody should research that. Let us know what you find. Why didn't he just like, why didn't it just say Paul was at Ephesus? For some reason, he took the interior road. There he found some disciples. And this is an important word right here because this lets us know that he's talking to brothers and sisters of the faith. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people that have already received the gospel, which is the good news. They've received Jesus as Lord. Watch what the next verse says. And then he asks them this question. He says, all right, brothers and sisters, Christians, church folk. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response lets us know that we're not the only generation to have some misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. They said, wait a minute, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. We have never even heard about the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that's where so many Christians are today. And this is what I said about uh, uh, in the message last Sunday. I think we get the idea of God the Father and we get the idea of God the Son, but then there's just some uncertainty about God as the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we wrestle with, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, or like I told you last Sunday, we think that the Holy Spirit is weird or the Holy Spirit is, is scary, which is funny to me that people say that the Holy Spirit is scary and then you go pay to watch the movie The Joker. But anyway, I ain't gonna go there. I just thought I'd throw that out there. So anyway, that's good, isn't it? So I gave you this kind of quick list last Sunday. And again, I can't re-preach it. You gotta listen to the podcast or watch the replay. But I told you that the Holy Spirit is our power, 
The Holy Spirit is our inner voice. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide. The Holy Spirit is our friend. And the Holy Spirit is our gift. And God gives us two gifts, the gift of salvation, and then he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you're interested in receiving those, those gifts, God will give them to you. He'll give you the gift of salvation, and then he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and even, even last Sunday, we talked about the title of this series, because we're calling it, I Ain't Afraid of No Ghosts. But at the end of the day, that's just a catchy title because of the 35th anniversary of the movie Ghostbusters and then the song, I Ain't Afraid of No Ghosts. But even the name of the series is somewhat theologically inaccurate. Uh, there, there are better, there's a better way to describe the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the, the original manuscript of the Old Testament uh, was written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit is the word ruach. I want both campuses on the count of three. We're going to say this word. And again, remember, you got to say it like you got some phlegm stuck in the back of your throat. It's the best way to say it. All right, you ready? Ruach, one, two, three. That's pretty good. Try it again. One, two, three. And it means wind or breath. It means a blast of breath. And whenever you open up the Bible, you won't get very far in your reading until you're introduced to the Ruach of God. Genesis chapter one the very second verse, we see the Ruach of God. It says, now the earth was formless, the earth was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. But watch, the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. So before there was light, before there was creation, before there were animals, come on, there was the Ruach of God. Now, in the New Testament, the primary language was written in Greek, and the Greek word for spirit is the word pneuma. Say this with me on three. One, two, three. A little easier, but it, it's similar in its definition. It means a current of air or a blast of breath or a strong breeze. And I gave you this kind of analogy. Imagine your life is like a sailboat, and the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, the pneuma of God, is this strong breeze that powers your sails. You see that? There's a bunch of places in the New Testament to show you where the pneuma of God is found. But here's one in John chapter 6. And this is, this is actually Jesus talking. And Jesus says, it is the pneuma, the Spirit, who gives life. Now the flesh profits nothing. But the words that I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit. They are full of pneuma. They are full of life. Now, here's why that's important. It's because that means that this book and the words that are written on the pages of your Bible, these are not normal words. These are God words. Come on, just look at me for a second or something. Nod at me, okay? These are God words. This, is the, this, this book is, is full of the Spirit. Full of, full of pneuma. And whenever we dive into this book, it's what feeds us. It's what feeds our spirit so that we can have life and have that life more abundantly. Is this good today? Okay, so here's where I want to go. Over the next couple of Sundays, we're going to continue to learn more about the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we're also going to learn that as we start to develop this intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a person, Okay, so, so yeah, we've got a friendship with God the Father and God the Son, but I want you to have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And once you have that friendship with the Holy Spirit, here's what you're going to learn. And this is where we're going over the next couple of Sundays. You're going to see that when the Holy Spirit is alive in you, the Holy Spirit will actually produce 
fruits of the Spirit. So there is some evidence of being saved and having the Holy Spirit at work in you. And, and the fruits of the Spirit will be on display. And not only that, but then you'll also be able to discover the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So for every single one of us, God has deposited some gifts on the inside of you. Okay, God has given you unique gifts to accomplish your purpose and your destiny and more importantly, to advance the kingdom of God. And the way that you discover those gifts and the way that you live out those fruits is to be an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's kind of dive into this today. Let's talk about the fruits of the Spirit. And you might remember that I told you last Sunday that the Apostle Paul was quite frustrated at the church of Galatia. In Galatians chapter three, he's writing this letter to the church and he's really worked up. I mean, he's really heated if you read it through that particular perspective because the Galatians had gotten away from leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit for their everyday living. So here's what I mean. They understood the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit for their salvation, for their conversion. But once they got saved, they stopped leaning or tapping into the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and they tried to rely on their own strength and their own power. And let me tell you, your power is not enough power to sustain you with all the stuff that you face on a day-to-day -day basis. Now I'm preaching. Come on. If you're going to make it through all of the tests and the trials and the temptations and the junk that you face day-to-day, -day, your power is not enough power. But there is a supernatural power. And Paul says, he says, look, he, he says, you... You, you bunch of fools. You read it. Galatians 3 says, you bunch of fools. Who's cast an evil spell on you? Why is your mind so messed up? Why are you okay with relying on the Holy Spirit to get saved? And then you think that you can make it day to day. He says, you can never do that. Well, he doesn't just put his pen down and stop being frustrated. He continues on. And he, if you get to Galatians chapter 5, you see that Paul is carrying out this frustration. And here... In Galatians chapter 5, he, he draws a very hard line, a distinction between those who are saved with the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of them and then those who are not saved and they do not have the Holy Spirit. He draws this line. Let me show it to you. Go in your Bible to Galatians chapter number 5, beginning in verse 19. Here's what he says. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here's what I hear a lot as a pastor. I hear Christians say, you know, sometimes the Bible can be very gray in certain areas. Okay. Well, the Bible can also be very clear in certain areas too. Come on, give me an amen. amen. He says, so whenever you follow your sinful nature and you need to know something every day, you are in a war. It's the flesh versus the spirit. Okay, and so our flesh is trying to draw us into that old life, but the spirit is trying to push us in the newness of Christ. And he says, and when you fall into the desires of the sinful nature, here's, here's the results. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. He says this, he says, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild 
parties. And I saw some of y'all dancing at the wedding reception last night. All right. We'll leave that there, though. I'm just kidding. And he says, and other sins like these. And then he says, let me tell you again, as I've already told you, he says, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's what he's saying. And I'm going to I'm going to be as honest as I can be today. Is that fair? OK, he says like this. He says, you don't get to have your cake and eat it, too. He says, you at some point, you're going to have to play by the book. I'm just going to stand back here for a minute. I'm back. This is better. Here's what he says. Watch. He says, but the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit produces this kind of both campuses on the count of three. I want you to say this word fruit. You ready? One, two, three. Yeah, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And I want us to read it again. Let's read all of the fruits of the Spirit. Ready? One, two, three. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says, and guess what? There is not a law against any one of those things. He says, there is no written law that says you can't love somebody. He says, nobody, nobody has put a law into practice that says that you can't be gentle or you can't practice self-control. He says that there is no law. He says, the results are clear. You live life your way, and here's what happens. But you live life God's way. You keep leaning on your own power. Here's the results. But if you lean on the Holy Spirit's power, here are the results. You will, you will produce fruit. And out of that intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, the whole world will see on display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Come on, somebody give me a good amen right there. All right, so, so let's talk today a little bit about fruit. I want you to take some notes because it's important for you to write this stuff down. Uh, here, here's, here's one of the thoughts that I have, and I want you to see what Jesus says because he really introduces the importance of fruit. So Jesus says in John 15, he says, all right, he says, I need you to know something. I am the true vine, Jesus. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Now, so far, we're like, I like this. But watch what he says. He says, my father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. How, how, many, of, how many of you are in the faith and you know what that pruning process feels like? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I challenged our staff a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, reading out of John 15, I said, what, what are we willing to give up if we want to go up? What, what are we willing to give up if we want to go up? Because there's a pruning that has to happen. So, so that, and here's why the pruning is, so that we will be even more what? Fruitful. Verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Dwell in me, live in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Watch, verse 5, he says, I am the vine. We're just the branches. That's us right here. That's why when we worship, we worship like this, y'all, because we're just branches, all right? He says, we are the branches. He says, if you remain in me, and I in you, 
you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's talk about fruit. Write this first one down. The first thought on fruit is this. All fruit has a different flavor. Watch this. Apples taste different than oranges. I know what you're thinking, man. You went to college for this? I did. And I paid a lot of money for a degree to tell you that oranges taste different than grapes. And a grape ain't no pear. Come on now. All fruit has a different flavor. So let, let, me, let me kind of make the point that I want to make here. So if I had a conversation with the people that are closest to you in your circle, your spouse, your children, your parents, your business partner, your, your best friends, if I set them down one-on-one and I said, who are they really? What, what's their flavor? Because, see, I only get to see you on Sunday, and your Sunday's best, and you got your smile on, and you're worshiping. You bring your Bible, so I'm thinking, man, our church is the most saved, sanctified, spirit-filled church out there because everybody seems to be just doing fine. But if I got with your closest people, the people that really know you, and I said, what is their flavor? What would the response be? Some of you are so nervous, I'm going to make phone calls this week. <laughs> Like, what's your natural flavor? Because you need to know something. I want you to hear this. It's not on the screen, but it's good. You should actually tweet it. God's not about artificially flavored Christians. Oh, y'all not going to help me, are you? I said he's not about artificially flavored Christians. Here, here's, here's what an artificially flavored Christian looks like. You wear a gold cross on your neck, but then you cuss somebody out when you disagree. That's your real flavor. Come on now. You got a, a Christian fish bumper sticker on the back of your car. Or better yet, you put a Go Church bumper sticker on the back of your car. And then you're going to flick somebody off when they cut. Please take the Go Church bumper sticker off your car. Not all advertisement is good advertisement. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian with my little fish bumper sticker. And then you... You, you, you don't have self-control? You got road rage? What's your real flavor? Come on. We put, we put Christian on our Facebook status, but then we post pictures of ourselves with hardly any clothes on. I, I think we're bringing more confusion about Christ than we are clarity about Christ because we're operating with an artificially flavor. Y'all not, not gonna help me. I'm telling this is so good that if I had cash, I'd give myself an offering. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Here's what we do. We put the little, the little uh, church praise hands emoji on our Instagram, but then on our Instagram stories, we're out getting hammered on the weekend. There, listen to me. The, you're, you're in here now. The ushers have locked the doors at both campuses. Even if you want to leave, you can't leave. But watch this. When you are in relationship with Christ, when you are connected to the vine, when you are abiding in I'm not telling you that you're going to be perfect because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. God knew that, so he sent us one who is perfect to rescue us from our imperfection. But all I'm saying is, is that too many of us were walking around with this artificially flavored Christianity and it will not work. 
Let me ask you a question, and it's going to be tough, but you got to answer it. Is your Christianity artificially flavored? What, what is your flavor? Everybody okay? If you're okay, sound good. Number two, about fruit. The second thing about fruit is this. Fruit doesn't just appear. It has to be grown. So I've told you this in a different sermon setting before, but my, uh, my oldest brother, Lee, is a strawberry farmer. Plant City. He's got a huge farm and he, he grows strawberries. And I, I didn't get that particular farming gene in me. As a matter of fact, the only genes I got are kind of like skinny and he don't like that because he's a farmer, you know. And so the one thing I know about my brother Lee, though, is this, is that when he first started farming, some of the land was inherited and passed down. And then a lot of his acreage he has purchased over time. But I know one thing about Lee. Lee didn't buy property or inherit property to say, I'm going to grow strawberries and then get a rocking chair and just watch an empty field produce strawberries. Now, I don't know much about farming, but I know enough to tell you that's not how it works. My brother Lee works incredibly hard in order to harvest that particular crop. Because watch, there is a process. Somebody say process. There is a process in maturing that happens in farming and in our own lives. See, with farming, you don't just strawberries don't just show up. Fruit doesn't just show up. There's crop selection. There's land preparation. There's seed selection. There's seed sowing. There's irrigation. There's crop growth. There's fertilizing. And then it's the season of harvest. So watch. As, as a believer, as a Christian. And so, like, if you come into a relationship with Jesus today, by this afternoon after lunch, the fruit may not just appear. You're going to have to cultivate and work on some of the fruit that needs to grow. As a matter of fact, that's the question. What fruit needs to grow? And what are you doing to work on that particular fruit so that it does grow on the inside of you so that it's evidence to the whole world? And somebody thinking, well, I... You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty good at all of it. Here's how you find out which fruit needs to grow. If you don't know which fruit needs growing, ask those people closest to you. Because without reservation, they're going to say, you know what? You need to love more. You need better peace or patience or kindness. They, they, they will tell you. But the point is this. Watch. Just because you're in right standing with the Lord today, when something painful happens tomorrow, because that's the objective of the enemy, to steal, kill, and destroy. You, you have to still choose joy. Are you listening to me? You have to cultivate joy. And joy has to grow. All of these, like sometimes, you know, because the world that we live in or the family that you're connected to can create some anxiety. Come on, if you're sitting next to him, say amen. Like he's talking about you now. So as a Christian, you may not just have peace all of a sudden. You may have to work on that fruit of peace because, listen to me, fruit doesn't just appear. It has to be grown. You good? All right, here's the third one. And I want to I spend a significant amount of time on point number three. And all, all week long, as a matter of fact, a few months ago, as we began to work on this series, it was point number three that I have prayed through and fasted over the most of any of, any of the four points that I'm going to give you today. So I want you, I want you to hang in there. Okay, you ready? Write this down. Fruit can go bad. Fruit can rot. Listen, any, 
at any point, at any time, when you disconnect the fruit from the branch that's connected to the vine, there is an expiration date on that fruit. You know what? One of my most, I don't, I think an avocado is a fruit. Just roll with me. Thank you. I knew it was. I'm in the spirit right now. One of the most aggravating fruits is an avocado because if you buy them and they're not ready, you have to wait. I can't tell you how many times we have waited until they were ruined. Aggravating, isn't it? You put them in a little, little brown paper bag only to forget. And now we're throwing away fruit because the fruit went bad. Are you with me? Okay, let me explain it to you like this. There, there is a theology. A theology is just a way that you study scripture and interpret scripture. There is this belief. And it's called once saved, always saved. Now, this is important for you to know because I grew up in that type of upbringing. I was taught that once, once you're saved, then you'll, you'll always be saved. Uh, another, another type of definition of that is the perseverance of the saints, or some call it eternal security. That as long as you have made a commitment that Jesus Christ is Lord, then really whatever else happens beyond that, your eternity is secured in heaven. Once I, once I really committed my life to Christ and I began to study scripture for myself, I just, I had this problem with that particular theology. Now, here's what I know. I am about to, like as of right now, jump into the deep end of a theological swimming pool. And I want you, I want you to hear this before I go any further. I never attempt on a Sunday morning or anytime I get to share the, 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 the message of Jesus I never attempt to say that my way is the right way. What I always actually try to say is, I am a student of the word as much as you are a student of the word. If the only word that you ever get is the word that I'm giving you, all y'all in trouble. Come on now. We all have to be in the word. That's a part of how we are connected to the vine, the true vine. So don't just listen to my words. I'm challenging you to get into scripture to seek the face of God through prayer and to discover for yourself what it is that you believe. But for me, this religion that says once saved, always saved, and what happens after you get saved, everybody's kind of going to heaven at that point. I just wrestle with that in my own personal conviction and belief. And here's part of why. Because in September of 1999, when I met Jesus and Jesus met me, I never thought, well, now I can just kind of slide into heaven. Better watch out when it moves, and I'm telling you. No, I don't just want to kind of sneak my way into heaven. Every day that I wake up, I pray, God, I want to be less like me and more like you. Every day, I need a pruning of my flesh and who I am, because although I'm not who I used to be, I still got a long way to go. Come on, somebody. You know, and so I'm thinking in my heart, I, every day I want to love Jesus more today than I loved him yesterday. Every day I want to get into this book in a different way than I did yesterday. Every Sunday I want to worship God in a way that I didn't worship the Sunday before. Because watch this, listen to me. Because what I'm doing with Jesus is not about religion. Religious people crucified Christ. What I'm doing with Jesus is all about relationship. I want to be in relationship with my Father. And I just want to make sure, God, if you're asking me to bear fruit, I don't ever want that fruit to go bad. Because if my fruit goes bad, you look bad. 
Are y'all, are y'all with me? You, you, you got to study this on your own. Now, listen to me. I'm, I'm going to make a statement, and it is probably going to offend some people. And I'm prepared, fully prepared. If you've got a problem with this statement, and I've given you this email address before, email my father-in-law. <laughs> Here's a statement. Um, I'm nervous. No, I'm not. God's love is unconditional. But salvation is not. Okay, now some of you are like, oh man. Here, I'm, I'm gonna, let's walk backwards here, okay? God's love for you is absolutely, unequivocally, unconditional. The, the foundational verse of, of all of the Bible is John 3.16. Even people who aren't in the faith know John 3.16 because they paint it on, on post boards for football games. John 3.16. Some of, some of our teams need John 3.16 to be on the field. Okay, watch. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Red, yellow, black, white. Rich, poor, tall, Vertically challenged. Skinny, abundantly blessed. He loved everybody. Hair, no hair. It don't matter. He loved us all. Glasses, no glasses, okay? It doesn't matter. Whatever the description is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Unconditional love. Now he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whosoever would believe. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a condition. It's a condition. God sending his son Jesus is a part of the salvation process. But at some point, you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And he did what he said he would do. And he's going to come back again. At some point, there is this condition about salvation that says, watch this, that you have to have faith. Somebody say faith. That you have to have faith that Jesus Christ alone died for your sins. Are you hearing me? It is only through Jesus, by Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. I don't care what any celebrity says. I don't care what any other best-selling author says. I don't care what Oprah says or Dr. Phil says. I don't care what your mama says. I love your mama. I care what this says. This. The only way is through Jesus. And we have to have faith. It's a condition that we have faith that Jesus died for our sins. And then the other condition is that we have to confess. I'm going to show you this because this is fundamentally my belief. This is my belief. The Bible says that you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, this is what I believe, and I want you to see this because it's important if you're going to be a part of a church that you know what the pastor believes and what the church believes. Okay, this is what I believe wholeheartedly, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. This is what I believe. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Call it what you want. You may not like the word conditions, but those are conditions, church. The condition is... We don't get heaven if it's not by grace through faith. That's the condition. I also believe that it's not from yourself. 
You cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. Listen, when we try to lean on our own power, we don't find salvation. We find bondage. Are you hearing me? And he says, Paul says, it's not, it's not from yourself. Here, we talked about this. It is the gift of God. Watch. Not by works. You can't, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't, you can't do enough humanitarian goods. You can't uh, serve on, on a volunteer team here at Go Church enough. You can't pay your way into heaven. Like you can't give enough money to pay your way into heaven. And I double dog dare you to try that one today. Write the biggest check you've ever written today. Do it now. For real. Somebody, try it. Try to pay your way into heaven. It don't work like that. No. The only way that we get salvation is by grace through faith. Are you with me still? But I do believe you can choose to walk away. Really believe with all of my heart that you can choose to walk away from God. And ladies and gentlemen, again, you have to study this for your own, but I think that this is a, a dangerous, dangerous theology to say, hey, accept Jesus, and then... There's more to it than that, but I'm hoping that you get the point that I'm trying to make. Yesterday was a beautiful wedding. Our campus pastor... David got married to Esther, and I said this, but yeah, King David and Queen Esther, and uh, the beautiful thing is that they did get married at our South Metro campus, and my father-in-law officiated the wedding uh, because that has been Pastor David's pastor for his entire life. I served as, watch this, the best man. Yeah, and I loved the wedding. You know, uh, it was very emotional, very beautiful, and uh, they exchanged some vows. They wrote their own vows. And I don't, for those of you that were part of the royal wedding, um, you know, I don't know if you were as taken back by the vows as I was because they made some pretty audacious commitments to one another. Like the whole time I'm thinking, bro, you should have let me read your vows before you read them aloud because you committed to some things that I know you. It, David's already repenting. I'm telling you right now, he's already messed up. But, but Queen Esther says, I, I promise to always do the laundry. <laughs> if it's my vows, I'm telling Kimberly, I promise to like pitch in every now and again. Come on, are you with me? She's like, I, she says, I, I promised to cook for you and to clean for you. And David jumps in, Pastor David jumps in and he goes, I promise to never, ever scare you again because I know that you don't like it. And the whole time I'm thinking, bro, you are missing out on a lifetime of comedy. <laughs> God, why? Let me read, let me proofread some things, man. can help you out. I have failed as his best man. The beauty of that marriage, though, is that it's all about a relationship relationship between the innocence of, of a boy and a girl. And the thing about marriage is that it's so symbolic of our relationship with God. With God, could you imagine, and I've never been to a wedding like this, and I never, I never will, but could you imagine if the vows were more like, I promise to always wrestle with selfish ambition I'm probably going to be unfaithful. I'm going to wrestle with drunkenness. 
uh, I'm going to have a lot of wild parties. And I'm telling you today that I love you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. We good? Right? We good? Uh, husbands, I don't, I don't know, you know, your wives and their personality, but, but I know Kimberly. That ain't gonna fly. Sometimes Kimberly will say this phrase to me and she, she positions it as a question. And whenever she asks me, I know that I've not done a really good job in that season of reminding her. She'll just sometimes text me or walk up and say, do you love me? What you talking about, girl? You know I love you. Okay, I just needed to hear it. A couple Fridays ago, we try on Fridays to schedule what we call Fridates. Come on now. Although they're very expensive because like a Friday at Target is like $250. Come on, fellas, where are you at? You know, so next Friday, I'm taking her to Dollar General. Come on. Because we balling on a budget. So we take these fried dates and uh, we just spend time. We just spend time together. I can't tell you we we tried. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of this year, I tried to set a goal on like how how many dates I could, how many fried dates I could take Kimberly on, and you know how many like actual real dates we get. Because and I don't know. This is not a, a message necessarily on you know spouses and their relationship, but I'll tie it all in together here in just a second. But. You know, there are times that we're like, watch a movie together. Kimberly doesn't necessarily count that as full quality time because she wants me to be intentional about carving out time with her. So I'll be like, we just watched Hallmark. Come on, fellas. Is Hallmark on like all the time? You know, we just, I'm like, for the love of God, I suffered. I mean, I watched. I have seen the same Hallmark movie 2,000 times, because they're all the same. It's just a different low-paid actor or actress. Or, or they're on the back end of their career, and here we go again. They're going to sell the farm to some big-town lawyer. I got to move. I have got to move. I am not in the spirit. I'm in the flesh. She just wants time. And for what it's worth, she just wants me. Your Bible says that he is a jealous God. He's he's a jealous God. And if you are in a relationship with a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, with God himself... It can't be the relationship where he's just on the back burner and you're sneaking your way into heaven. Man, because fruit can go bad. Well, let, me, let me show you, let me give you some, I'm gonna give you a ton of Bible and we'll be done. Watch this. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, condition, you gotta confess your sins, that he's faithful and he's just and he will forgive us of our sins. And what? He purifies, he prunes away all the flesh that we wrestle with. Watch, uh, watch this one, uh, Colossians chapter 1, a few verses. This includes who you were once. This includes you who were once far away from God. It's all of us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You were his enemies, 
separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Watch this. Yet now, Paul's telling us, now you've been reconciled to him. That word, that word reconciliation is just right standing. You, now you're in right standing. Okay, watch this. Through the death of Christ in his physical body. Anybody glad that Jesus died? Now watch. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Paul's just setting it all up to say, hey, okay, you've said yes to Jesus. He died on the cross so that you could be reconciled, so that you could be bought back with a price that you didn't have to pay. And then he says this, watch, and don't miss it. He says, but you must continue to believe and you have to stand firm in it and watch what he says and I should have highlighted it in yellow he says don't drift away don't drift away listen to me I can't tell you how many people in our churches I have seen drift away don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. Watch this. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, J.C. Worley, I've been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Here's another one. 1 Timothy 1.9. Hold on to your faith. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people, watch, have deliberately violated their consciousness, and as a result, they have shipwrecked their faith. They drifted away. They got in this boat, and they crashed it. Paul says some people have deliberately walked. Here's what he says. I'm just being honest with you. He said, hey, the fruit's gone bad. Hebrews 3, be careful then. Watch. I should have highlighted this in yellow too. Brothers and sisters, how do you become a brother and sister? By being a part of the family of God. So he says, hey, church folk, listen to me. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil. Make sure that they're not unbelieving and that they're turning you away from the living God. He says this, he says, you've got to warn each other. When? Because every day the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. While it's still today, you got to warn everybody every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin. Let me just say it like this. Whatever your belief is, don't get comfortable in your sin. Don't get numb to your sin. Let me say it like this. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Don't get comfortable so that none of you will be deceived by sin and and hardened against God. Watch this. For if we are to the end, if we're faithful to the end, every day being faithful, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Two more. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, Whoever wants to be my follower, whoever wants to bear fruit, good fruit, you must deny yourself. How do you deny your flesh? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. You get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And then you can say no. He says you got to deny yourself and take up your cross every single day and follow me. Watch. We read this earlier, but it's worth repetition. Abide in me. 
I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Listen, I'm done. Stay connected to the vine. Try to slide your way into heaven, sneak your way into heaven. No, bear good fruit. Oh, man, I love to turn some worship music on, not just on Sundays, but just turn some worship music on and just lift my hands and lift my voice. I love, love this book. People all over the world fighting for a copy of this book. This is how you stay connected to the vine right here. The power of prayer where I can just, man, I can, in prayer, I am like really me in prayer. Because all, everything is exposed in prayer. I can hear the Holy Spirit speak to me about the areas that I've got to prune away because I don't want to be who I used to be. I want to be who God desires for me to be. So I'm going to ask you just a question. Watch. When it comes to this idea of eternal security, do you just want to be saved from the penalty of the sin? Or do you want to be free from sin altogether? I can't wait for heaven. I can't. It's going to be glorious. But guess what? I'm alive. And I, I want to break off the generational curses that have been on my family. I want my family to be free. I want to be free. Are you with me? I don't just want to be saved from the penalty of sin because we deserve death. But as long as I'm here, I want to be free from sin altogether. I don't, I don't want to look like the world, smell like the world, taste like the world, dress like the world, walk like the world, talk. Now, I'm a work in progress. I'm telling you, but listen to me. Fruit is the most attractive thing about Christians. It's the most attractive thing about Christians is when you live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's beautiful because the world, the world doesn't know that that's an option. They don't know that that's a gift. That you don't, oh man, I could stay there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. Watch this. Matthew 7, 16. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. By the way you act. By the way, I don't care if you got that gold cross on your neck. That go church bumper sticker on your car. Or if you jump higher, shout louder and run faster than anybody at either one of our campuses. Watch this. Do people know you to be a Christian by what they see or by what you say? The choice is yours. Man, I pray this message has been an encouragement. Both of our campuses, our pastors are coming. The worship team is coming. Every head bowed for just a moment. Come on, every head bowed for just a moment. They're going to give you a challenge here before you go. But I want us just to worship for just a second. As you consider the Holy Spirit and the fruits of that Spirit and what God is telling you.